Welcome to the New England Law Review Podcast. I am the Executive Online Editor of the Law Review's Volume 48, Louisa Gibbs. The New England Law Review is a student-run organization that produces the flagship publication of New England Law Boston here in Massachusetts. You can learn more about the school at nesl.edu and more about the New England Law Review at newinglrev, that's N-E-W-E-N-G-L-R-E-V dot com. There you can find our forthcoming Volume 48, Book 1, Print Issue, our online publication, On Remand, and our Massachusetts Criminal Digest, abbreviated as MassCrim Digest. The MassCrim Digest is the New England Law Review's online case summary database that provides citable, straightforward summaries of recent criminal law cases decided by the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court, the SJC, that most impact Massachusetts criminal law and procedure. Editors of the New England Law Review compile the summaries. This episode will review Preventative Medicine Associates v. Commonwealth, decided on July 15, 2013, and written by online editor Crystal Kennedy. The citation for this case is 465 Mass 810-2013. This summary can also be found at our website, newinglrev.com. Procedural History The Commonwealth, through the Attorney General, sought a grand jury indictment to charge Preventative Medicine Associates, Inc., PMA, and Kishore with Medicaid fraud. The grand jury returned the indictment charges on September 29, 2011. The Commonwealth later sought, on two separate occasions, search warrants ex parte to search the email accounts of Kishore and PMA's former billing director, Cheryl Church. After the Commonwealth received and reviewed a number of the emails from Google, the defendants sought two separate protective orders from the court for the two email accounts based on attorney-client privilege. After two hearings, the motion judge required the Commonwealth to create a taint team comprised of assistant attorneys general not involved in the investigation or prosecution of the defendants to review the emails. The defendants immediately sought relief from the order before a single justice in the county court, who stayed the order and reserved two questions for the full SJC to review, which will be addressed here. Facts Kishore owned and operated PMA, which is a Massachusetts network of medical practices. The Commonwealth believed that PMA created a kickback scheme by paying certain sober houses to refer their residents to PMA for drug testing. MassHealth, the Massachusetts Medicaid program, would then pay PMA. It received approximately $18.9 million from this program. The Commonwealth believed this kickback scheme existed from July 2006 through to April 2011. On September 29, 2011, the grand jury returned indictments charging Kishore and PMA each with eight counts of violating the Medicaid false claim statutes based on the alleged kickback scheme and eight counts of violating the Medicaid anti-kickback statute. On September 7, 2011, during the grand jury investigation, the Commonwealth contacted Google and requested them to provide Kishore and Church's email accounts. On December 21, 2011, the Commonwealth applied for a search warrant in Superior Court to search these email accounts. The Commonwealth sought three categories of documents in its affidavit, documents relating to the following. One, PMA's billing history with MassHealth to demonstrate that the services rendered were not medically necessary or approved. Two, 
bills that PMA submitted to MassHealth, or three, financial arrangements between Kishore or PMA and sober houses to refer residents to PMA for drug testing. The Commonwealth did not mention the indictment in the affidavit for the initial search warrant. The Superior Court issued the search warrant for emails dated March 21, 2008 to the estimated date PMA stopped doing business. In response to the search warrant, Google sent the Commonwealth copies of all of Kishore and Church's emails dated between March 21, 2008 and December 22, 2011. Once the Commonwealth received the emails, the Deputy Chief of Investigation searched them to segregate emails potentially covered by the attorney-client privilege. The Deputy Chief of Investigations turned over 51,309 emails to the investigative team that were determined to not violate the attorney-client privilege. While reviewing the emails, the investigator discovered some of the emails were dated after September 2011 and immediately stopped his review. The Commonwealth had reason to believe that PMA had ceased its operations at this point and therefore they could not search the emails not believed to be part of the kickback scheme. On February 28, 2012, the Commonwealth applied for a second search warrant, ex parte, requesting the ability to review Kishore and Church's emails from September 29, 2011 through to December 22, 2011. The Commonwealth mentioned in its accompanying affidavit for the second warrant that a grand jury issued an indictment charging the defendants with operating a kickback scheme. The Superior Court issued the search warrant and the Commonwealth continued reviewing the emails. As part of pretrial discovery, the Commonwealth provided Defense Counsel with one of the emails it had received from Google pursuant to the first ex parte search warrant that related to the alleged kickback scheme. This was the first time Defense Counsel became aware that the Commonwealth seized these emails and they immediately filed an emergency motion for a protective order for Kishore's emails. The motion judge ruled on March 2, 2012 that the Commonwealth to cease review of the emails in its possession until further court order and to provide a copy of all those emails to the defendant. Based on the copy of the emails provided, defense counsel sought another protective order for Church's emails. On May 23, 2012, the motion judge required a taint team to review Church's emails, which was then extended to review Kishore's emails. The defendant sought relief of the order from a single justice in the county court. This justice stayed the amended order and reported the two following issues to the full court. Issues presented. 1. Whether the Commonwealth may, by means of an ex parte search warrant, search the post-indictment emails of a criminal defendant. And 2. If question 1 is answered in the affirmative, whether the taint team procedure authorized in the amended order dated June 4, 2012 is permissible under the Massachusetts Constitution. Holdings and Reasoning The SJC answered both issues in the affirmative with some important limitations. 1. The Commonwealth may, by means of an ex parte search warrant, search the post-indictment emails of a criminal defendant. The court addressed the initial issue in two parts. A whether the Commonwealth may seize emails of a defendant under indictment by means of an ex parte search warrant, and b, whether, if the Commonwealth may seize such emails, there are special conditions or procedures that the Commonwealth must follow in conducting any search of them.
While considering whether the Commonwealth could seize Kishore or Church's emails, the court analyzed Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 276, Section 1 and Section 1B, and Massachusetts Rule of Criminal Procedure 17, Rule 17. Section 1B authorizes a judge to issue warrants to search emails and contains no restricting language prohibiting a search warrant seeking to search records or other property of an indicted criminal defendant. The statute references the Stored Communications Act, SCA, which provides a procedure for government officials to obtain emails or electronic communications from third-party providers, such as Google in this case. The SCA also does not distinguish between before and after indictment. In contrast to both the statute and act, Rule 17, as analyzed by the defendants, and I quote, precludes the post-indictment issuance of a warrant to obtain a defendant's emails, and thereby precludes the Commonwealth from obtaining those emails from which the SCA requires a warrant, end quote. The court concluded that an ex parte search warrant for emails issued post-indictment is not contrary to Rule 17. Such a search warrant is an acceptable way to seize emails for a defendant under indictment, so long as the Commonwealth complies with particular conditions such as the following. 1. Only a superior court judge may issue a search warrant seeking an indicted criminal defendant's emails. 2. The affidavit submitted in support of the warrant application must inform the judge at the outset that the individual whose emails are being sought is presently under indictment and must explain the nature and scope of the pending indictment, or indictments, as well as the relationship, if any, between the pending indictment and the search warrant being sought. And three, said affidavit must explain the need for using a search warrant instead of Rule 17. Additionally, the court determined that in the future, the Commonwealth must propose a search protocol for the Superior Court's approval to ensure that a defendant's privileged communications are in fact protected. Failing to comply with this procedure, including merely failing to justify the need for a search warrant, can give the Superior Court cause to deny the application. The court stated that these procedures were to protect against a breach of attorney-client privilege between the defendant and his or her attorney, as interpreted through Article 14 of the Declaration of Rights of the Massachusetts Constitution. On to the second issue. The Taint Team procedure, authorized in the June 4, 2012 amended order, is permissible under the Massachusetts Constitution. First, the court determined that the Taint Team does not violate Article 12 of the Declaration of Rights of the Massachusetts Constitution or the Sixth Amendment right to counsel, so long as the Commonwealth can demonstrate that the Taint Team will prevent the disclosure of privileged information to the prosecution team. The court finds that a superior court order for a taint team must have a number of requirements that can be found in the full version of this text on the New England Law Review website. The court showed concern in courts granting prosecutors the use of taint team procedure because using members from within that office due to the size of them, could cause a reprimand to that office. And responsively, the court outlined considerations to, for the analyzing court to utilize when faced with such a request from members of the prosecu- prosecution's office. Furthermore, the court found that the taint team pr- process of separating privileged emails complies with the Article 14 requirement of particularity. Ultimately, the motion judge remanded to the single justice for further proceedings in light of the opinion. Impact on the law. This opinion adds to the numerous decisions 
both state and federal, on using taint teams to protect the attorney-client privilege. The SJC recognized the federal court's disapproval of taint teams and thereby mandated judicial oversight of the teams. The court also mandated specific protocols for the taint team to follow in an attempt to further protect the attorney-client privilege. This case balances the importance of a defendant's constitutional rights, both state and federal, with the Commonwealth's need for information to prove its case. The ACLU has already utilized the logic provided in this case regarding necessary judicial oversight and prior approval in an amicus brief to the Massachusetts Superior Court in Commonwealth v. Forlizzi. Preventative Medicine Associates, Inc. v. Commonwealth may become a cornerstone decision in the approval of taint team procedures for electronic communications. Thank you for listening to the first ever New England Law Review podcast in reviewing Preventative Medicine Associates, Inc. v. Commonwealth. The full summary of this case can be found at our website, newinglrev, that's N-E-W-E-N-G-L-R-E-V dot com, under the Mass Crim Digest tab. Also, take a look at our most recent Armand article about the Boston lockdown. Take a look at our forthcoming volume 48, book one issue, found under forthcomings tab. And while you're online, find out more about New England Law Boston at nesl.edu. I'm the executive online editor for volume 48 of the New England Law Review, Louisa Gibbs. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from the New England Law Review podcast.